This episode of Den the Lights contains spoilers for the Book of Life and Coco. Listeners, be aware. Guys, I, I wanted to have a little unique intro today, but I couldn't think of anything because I thought it would be a little insensitive, so I'm just going to say taco and that's it. Taco, what kind of taco are we talking about? Uh, What's your taco in about? Ha ha ha. Okay, uh, guys, welcome to Dim the Lights with E&T. Uh, today is going to be our uh, is going to be the beginning of our trilogy of holiday specials. Well, pentology if you count the last two episodes, mm-hmm. because we're doing a a Day of the Dead episode today. Where we're talking about two animated movies. Yeah, Those... you probably know what they are when we say Day of the Dead and animated movies, but we're gonna we're gonna explain it anyway. What are we reviewing today, Ethan? We're reviewing The Book of Life and Coco. Two iconic movies, I should say. Well, it's past Dia de los Muertos or the Day of the Dead festival. We're sorry that it's so belated, but it's a fun holiday. I think it's got some good cultural... I mean, it is culturally important. But yeah, it's a fun one to learn about, fun one to talk about. So let's hop right into it. Which one are we talking... I think we should talk about The Book of Life first. Coco's a little bit more of a sort of grounded family story while Book of Life is kind of meant to be more of like a legendary fantasy thing. Kind of, yeah. And I think Coco's a little more culturally accurate too compared to the Book of Life, I would say. Well, I I think with the Book of Life, like it's clearly inspired, but I think that's just like the director and writer's interpretation or like trying to build his own world off of it. Probably, yeah. But anyways, let's kind of get into So let's explain the plot of the Book of Life. The Book of Life is about a love triangle between Manuela. Hey y'all, this is Tegan in post-production, and I just wanted to clarify that we butcher a lot of names in this episode, and I just want to remind you guys that Ethan and I are very white, and so please take everything we say with a grain of salt. And please enjoy the rest of the episode. Thanks. A bullfighter and upcoming musician, Joaquin. A soldier and Maria, the mayor's daughter, I think. Just a quick correction. It's Manolo. Okay, Manola. M- Manolo. Yeah, Manolo. And so basically the ruler of of the good afterlife and the ruler of the bad afterlife make a bet. And the ruler of the good afterlife, El Muerta, I think. La Muerta? Yeah, I can't pronounce it properly. Yeah, uh, bets that Manola will win. Wow, the bad one, uh, Shabalba. Shabalba, yeah. Bets that whole Joaquin will win. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole premise of the movie is that these two deities are just making a wager and it's all resting on these three people to represent the whole world, basically. Yes, and one thing we left out is the framing device of this movie. So this the plot of this movie is being told to a bunch of kids are going on a field trip by some like tourist lady a tour guide yeah yeah who like shows them the book of life and i felt like that entire thing could have been cut out of the movie really yes i kind of like that okay before we get into that just to explain a little bit about the tradition of dia de los muertos is that when in mexican culture when somebody dies their soul goes on to the land of the living which is the like the good realm and the holiday of day of the dead is basically remembering your 
dead family members, relatives, ancestors. And they have this kind of like, Afrenda. it's called an ofrenda, yeah, where you put your, pic- your passed on relative's picture up there and you leave them out food and marigolds. And when you put your picture, their picture up on the ofrenda, they're remembered. But eventually one day everybody's gonna be forgotten. And when somebody's forgotten in the living world, then they go from the land of the living to the land of the forgotten which is like quote-unquote bad realm basically so yeah that's a little bit of the mechanics of day of the dead culture and back to what we were saying about the tour guide i kind of like that because when she's telling the story so at the beginning she has the wooden pieces that represent the characters in the story like manolo and maria and joaquin and if you notice when it's in the scenes that is where their story is being acted out by them, their animation is they're wooden. Like they look wooden because they're wooden pieces. And I was like, that is so clever. Like everybody looks wooden. But you think it could have just been just like a normal stylistic choice because the story is meant to be like a telling of it. And I don't think you needed the framing device of it being a school trip and like constantly cutting back to it all the time so we can hear about these kids we don't care about, have their input on the story. And it can just be like, just sort of a collage thing. I don't think it was really, for me, it wasn't interruptive in the story, I guess. I mean, I didn't really care for the kids' opinions, I guess. But that didn't take away from the overall story. And like, I felt like it was a good leading into narration device, especially having the tour guide explain it. Because kind of, I guess it kind of goes into world building and setting up the setting of the story is that if it just jumped straight into the love triangle, I guess, maybe it would make, and like the whole overall purpose of the story, then that would probably be a little confusing, especially explaining like the book of life towards the end of it and like why their story is so important. So the director of this film is named Jorge R. Gutierrez, and he's off and he has a background in like cartoons and he brings his like very unique art style into mm-hmm. this movie. A lot of the characters like have these like super exaggerated like facial features even for like animation standards mm-hmm. and that really likes helps shine on everything. Yeah. I did like the animation a lot and I think the story is great, the animation is great. It's very unique like I said before. One, I guess jumping into it, one thing I really didn't like about the movie is that it didn't really have an original soundtrack. It was just like covers of pop songs, but they were written with more ethnic instrumentals. And there was two original songs in the movie called The Apology Song and I Will Always... It wasn't I Will Always Love You, but I Love You So Much or something like that. And they were written by Paula Williams, so... And and they were uh, obviously the best songs in the movie. Yeah, because... They just felt so out of place when they sang, like, the covers. Like, they had Mother and Sons, I Will Wait. Manolo started singing Creep by Radiohead, which he really didn't need to. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, uh, that, that scene. Do you know how, like, some fan bases of certain bands, like, hate the popular stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, times that by a hundred with radio fan, Radiohead fans and Creep. And it was, like, sung in, like, the context of it being, like, a love song. Yeah. When, like, Creep... It's literally in the name. It's not meant to be like an inherently romantic song. Yeah. That was an interesting choice for sure. But yeah, the music in the movie, besides the two original songs, which I can't remember where there was song off the top of my head, but 
I don't know. The Coveys just did not do it for me. It was always super weird every time they just started singing a cover because it was so out of place. And I didn't... That was one of the biggest weaknesses for this movie, I think. And one of my bigger gripes with the movie is a lot of the cast, like, wasn't, like, Mexican or Spanish. Yeah. Like, like what is Channing Tatum doing here? Yeah. Or Ice Cube? Yeah. That's another issue I had. Because that's, that's one thing Coco gets right, for sure, is that it had an actual Hispanic cast. I think everybody in that movie was Hispanic, as far as I know. But in this one, um, Manolo, he was voiced by Diego, I don't remember his Luna. last name. Luna, yes. And then... Maria, um, Maria was voiced... By was... Zoe Saldana, which I think she is part Hispanic, I believe. I think she's... I think her father, father's from the Dominican Republic. Yeah, her father's Dominican and her mother's Puerto Rican. Yeah, it's just like Channing Tatum, Ice Cube. He didn't, I felt like they really hyped up Ice Cube in the trailers for this years ago, but he was only in the movie for like five seconds. Really didn't have that important of a part, if you ask me, but. But I, I kind of understand it since with Coco, it's a Pixar and Disney movie, so they were probably given more freedom to like cast like an all Latin cast, mm -hmm. unlike this, which probably since, since it probably had a bit more restrictions. They probably still had to do some celebrity voice casting. Yeah, I understand that too. And I'm not saying that like Channing Tatum or Ice Cube did terrible, but it, it's it's just they were uh, they they just they just did not fit the setting. Yeah, that's another part of the movie that I think could have benefited a little more. Elements, I I did like the candle maker. What did you like about the candle maker specifically? Uh, uh he was just a uh, he was just a cool guy. Mm. He was just pretty chill. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really find him that funny. He was just he was just kinda kinda cool. He was made out of wax. Yeah. You don't see that every day. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty dope. Oh, and you know what I was talking about framing devices and like explaining stuff? Mm-hmm. Like the candle maker should have been like the narrator of this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that, but I guess the I guess one of the reasons why I'm still holding on to the tour guide framing device is because in, at the end of the movie, it's revealed that Larmote is the tour guide telling these kids this story. And, um... Jabalba? Jabalba, uh, yes. Yeah. And he's revealed to be, like, this creepy janitor guy. He's kind of like a, the night guard in the museum. Which, I think it works. I think, I thought that was cute, but I do... I'm, I wouldn't argue the candle maker framing, because he is the giver of life and, and that would make sense and, and he literally has the book of life yeah so so you can literally just like frame it as him like telling the audience about this certain part of the book of life mm -hmm. and and since he's like kind of meant to be like like a top of this world mm -hmm. like like i think it would be like a perfect way to explain how he kind of knows most of this stuff mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and like I said earlier, he didn't have a huge role. Like, he wasn't in the movie for very long, so that would be a good way to add him in more since he is part of that, like, deity circle with Lamarte and Jabalba. Yeah. So, yeah. Overall, I think it's a cute story. Like, I was like, aw, they waited so many years for her, and now she's a nice young woman. But she's still independent and stuff. But... Yeah, it kind of, 
I guess this is a little nitpicky thing, but as soon as she got back from studying abroad, they were already like, we gotta win her hand in marriage. Like, they didn't even acknowledge their friendship that much. They didn't go back to being friends at first. They were like, we got, one of us has to marry you, Maria. It's like, well, she doesn't want to marry you. Yeah. Like, like, I think she called out Joaquin for that, like, in, like, mm -hmm. in, like, a ballroom scene. Yeah. She was like... Do you really think it was going to be that easy for me to, like, flirt with you or be your girlfriend, whatever it was? Yeah. Like, they ain't even dating yet. He just wants to marry her. <laughs> a lot of this stuff I'm going to say is going to, like, come off, like, negative, but but I kind of think that's because I watched Coco and this back-to-back, -back, mm -hmm. and you'll understand why I'm a bit more harsh on this movie because of that. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of felt like... Like, the dialogue just just didn't hit for me like it did with Coco. Yeah. Like, a lot of the characters felt, like, a bit more, like, like a little more, like, two-dimensional. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of get it's, like, meant to be, like, a folktale story. Yeah. Everybody kind of felt flat. I understand that. Yeah, and even with that, and on, like, Maria, she just kind of felt annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, like that part when she like called out Joaquin, I just kind of cringed, because mm. like like I'm not dissing like I guess girl boss characters, but she was like that annoying type of girl boss character. Mm. That's fair. I will say um, this is a totally separate point, but one thing I had a problem with is that this is a Day of the Dead movie. But it felt like the Day of the Dead aspect was kind of tacked on because it was present at the beginning when um, it was Manolo and him and his father were mourning the loss of his mother. But then later on when Manolo dies, everybody's like, well, it's the Day of the Dead. And it's like, wouldn't they be celebrating that in the land of the living? So that just kind of felt really tacked on for me. They were like, oh, it's a Day of the Dead movie. We have to add it. Like, we have to fit this in somehow. Yeah, like the first scene is really like... And, like, when they actually go to the afterlife is really, like, the only, like, Day of the Dead stuff in this yeah. movie. Like, if they didn't say it was, like, as you said, if they say it wasn't Day of the Dead by the end of the movie, you really couldn't tell. Yeah. The land of the living goes on, even if it's not the Day of the Dead. So he could have just, like, gone to the afterlife where everybody's still partying because that's part of the tradition. But, yeah, it just, that part just felt tacked on. And it was like, we could have worked this in a little better. Yeah. I don't know if I have any more, like, major critiques about the Book of Life. It was cute. I mean, I watched this as a Spanish, in, like, my freshman Spanish class six years ago or something like that. And I rewatched it, like, two days ago. And I remember it being a lot better when I watched it six years ago than now. Well, well, you haven't watched, well, you probably haven't seen, like, a lot of other good movies by then. Yeah, true. I, I don't know. It's just, it was kind of disappointing to rewatch it. Yeah. Even though I remember liking it a lot and I was excited to watch it, I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen this movie since it came out. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's been out for almost 10 years. Yeah. So, which, that's weird to think about, but. Another kind of nitpick I have is El Muerta and Jabalba, like, get together at the end of the movie. I don't mind their kind of, like, hot and cold relationship because I don't know. Did she mention that they were married at some point? Like, like I think it might have been hinted when they were, like, when they were, like, talking about the wager. Yeah. 
so I get their hot and cold relationship, and I kind of think I think it's funny that they have that, even though kids might not exactly understand it. But yeah, it's kind of weird that they did get together because they're like polar opposites and they rule opposite lands. Like, how does that work? You know. But but it's not just that. Like, why would she get together with the guy who like who like cheated at the game to like who like basically kicked her down to the basement? I don't know. And it, she mentioned earlier that, like, when they were said making the wager at the beginning of the movie that he cheated once before on some other wager or something like that. I don't know. Maybe there's some, like, folklore behind their relationship or something that we just don't know. But I don't know, so... And also a thing I have with this movie is the most interesting parts of it, specifically the afterlife stuff. Mm-hmm kind of just felt it wasn't enough in the movie yeah it felt that also didn't feel as tacked on but it felt like it was just kind of shoved in there at the end yeah it kind of felt like what was marketed as the central thing of the movie felt like it only like came in like in the second half of it yeah it kind of kind of like not to this extent but like the joker in suicide squad the first one you know what i mean how he was only in there for like two minutes and that was the big thing they were marketing for the movie. Yeah. Or like, oh shoot, Zendaya in Dune when she was there for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this movie should have been like cut out the stuff about the framing, like maybe like shorten like some like setup of like where like Manola, Joaquin, and Maria are currently at the moment, and like and like it's straight into like the Manola and the afterlife stuff mm-hmm. like I, th- I think that would have been like pretty like decent like hero's journey or like odyssey like story yeah like like have you seen like kubo and the two strings i haven't but i know what you're talking about yeah like like i think this could have been like a like a pretty cool journey movie i agree with that it would have been different if they had manolo die more towards the beginning of the movie that way we're in the afterlife a lot longer and they just yeah you could do more things with that because it's the afterlife and yeah a lot of stuff happens yeah and that's where the movie was really flexing its creative muscles yeah with the whole labyrinth maze and it it was like those mazes you could turn with the little balls in it yeah i was like i know what those are <laughs> but yeah those parts were cool it would have benefited if they had more of that in the movie yeah more day of the dead not just love triangle stuff. Less Channing Tatum, more skeletons. And, and also uh, less uh, creep covers. Yeah, we didn't need that. Hey, 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 Gutierrez, hey, where's where's my cover of Kid A? Where's my cover of Kid A, Gutierrez? <laughs> what was the name of the bandit that was coming after them? Uh, Jacal. Jacal, yeah. What did you think about that subplot, uh, kind of? I thought I thought it was a decent, good way to like set up like tension back at the human world. Mm-hmm. That yeah. isn't just Manola like not getting Maria. Mm-hmm. And I thought how they animated him and his like his fighting style was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't really mind because he was he wasn't really set up to be like a complex character. Yeah. So I don't mind him like being like, just kind of dumb. Yeah, I was fine with it. It didn't really do much for me, but I don't think that hindered my movie experience. So. Yeah. No complaints, really, with Chakal. There was a lot of attempts at humor at this movie that, mm-hmm. I, that I didn't really kind of find funny. Yeah. It is a kid's movie. Some things fall flat. I yeah, will but, admit. Yeah, but I 
but I think it also by the fact that I watched Coco out, that I watched Coco before it, which has funny moments, but has so much other stuff around it mm -hmm. that made up for it. But this movie just kind of didn't, mm -hmm. didn't have enough of it. Yeah. So that kind of hindered my enjoyment a bit more. Yeah, I get that. See, I was the opposite of you. I watched The Book of Life first, and then I watched Coco. And a letterbox review I saw a lot on The Book of Life was um, that this movie walked so Coco could run, and that is 100% true in all respects. Yes. You know, I told you how the director and writer has a history in, like, animation, like, yeah. cartoons. Mm -hmm. He made, like, two TV series. One is... El Tigre. Uh, have you seen that one? I think I've heard of it before. Yeah, it was on Cartoon Network in okay. the late 2000s. Mm -hmm. And he also has a Netflix show called Maya and the and the Three, which both like heavily tackle like Mexican lore and stuff. Like El Tigre is like base is about like a kid who's a luchador superhero. Okay, cool. That's pretty dope. We should have reviewed Nacho Libre. <laughs> this week too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, if we're talking, if we're talking about non-Spanish uh, casts, <laughs> Jack Black's at the top of it. Yeah. Nah, I love that movie though. It's too fun. It's stupid fun. Yeah. Also, another sp movie I watched in Spanish class in high school. Well, I I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted on it. Because mm -hmm. this this is a movie that's produced by people that are that is made, written, and produced by people. Who come from Mexico and Spain, mm -hmm. while Coco is a movie that has a prominently white cast, and I'm a type of guy who like values that more like Coco or the Book of Life. Coco has a predominantly white cast. No, no, has a predominantly like white like director, writers, producers. Gotcha. And and I'm a guy who was like an advocate for like letting minorities tell their stories more. Mm -hmm. But I just felt Coco just did it like so much better in mm -hmm. ways. That Book of Life just didn't, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, do we want to rate the Book of Life? I, I'd probably give it around like a five. Five? Dang. I'd give it like a seven. It's okay. Yeah. It's decent. Yeah, yeah, it's cute. Mm -hmm. It's a cute little movie, but that's about as far as it goes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, on to Coco, the one... The heartthrobber that we've all been waiting for. Yeah, so so you know why I said that my opinion on Book of Life might have been affected uh, by me watching Coco first? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because Coco is probably my favorite animated movie of all time. And it's probably one of the best Pixar animated movies out there like, like to I per date. Like, I personally think it's maybe their best movie. In recent years, yeah, I would say so. I don't know, I'm a really high advocate for Toy Story, so. Well... <laughs> Well, I, I, I watched the first two Toy Story movies, and, and I, I, I didn't like them as much as Coco. That's fair enough. To each their own. Yeah. But Coco's still a banger of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, no denying it. Yeah, it's great. Well, can I explain the plot for this one? Go ahead. So, we got this guy named Miguel, and his family, their trade is making shoes. And because of this long family history he has of his great-great-grandfather leaving his great-great-grandmother and his great-grandma to become a musician. Music is banned in their house, so no music, no humming, no nothing. Very strict on that. But Miguel inspires to be a musician, and he wants to go off and play for the world. And he, his idol is this um, superstar musician 
named Ernesto de la Cruz, who has since passed on. He's kind of like older singer who's very well known, yeah. I would say. That kind of style. Or, or maybe like a real, or maybe like a real life equivalent to like a Mexican singer that we don't know. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's somebody out there. Because this, this movie includes a lot of references to Mexican culture. Oh yeah. So I was looking this up in post and Ernesto de la Cruz is actually inspired by Pedro Infantante and Jorge Negrete, both legendary Mexican singers and actors. So there's your little bit of trivia for today. And anyways, so one thing leads to another, and he breaks into, I forget what it's called, in the grave, but he kind of, like, steals, quote-unquote, steals Ernesto's guitar, and he plays it, and all of a sudden he's transported to the land of the living, and he can see all, and and it is the Day of the Dead festival they're celebrating, and he can see all the passed-on souls walking over into the living world to visit their families, and basically, he meets all his family members that have passed on. And the whole plot is Miguel needs to get back to the land of the living before he himself becomes one of the dead. Yes. And that's pretty much it. And there's a lot more that goes along to it as you watch the movie. It's great. But what do we like about Coco to start off? First, let's get to a trivia section. Okay. So when this movie first came out, it had a half hour short about Olaf in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Which everyone universally hated. Okay. So they removed. I think it. I remember. Maybe. Yeah. So they so they removed that. Also, another fun thing I found about it is that this movie had like various like themes and content that would get it banned in China. I heard about that. Yeah. But Chinese censors found the movie so moving that they allowed it anyway. Mm-hmm. Did they ever say what like prompted Chinese censorship to censor it? Uh, I I think it has something to do with the prevalence of skeletons interesting okay i mean i don't understand their censorship rules over there so yeah any more trivia for us oh yeah also in uh brazil it's chat it had his title change to a uh, viva because in portuguese it can be mistaken for the word for poop that's kind of silly imagine if they kept the name coco and it was still called poop yeah yeah the the grandma character is just called a uh, poop just her name's poop yeah. Everybody who speaks Portuguese is like, why would they name her that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Her her dad really was really setting her up for failure. For real. First he left them. <laughs> that, that, but before that, he named her Poop. So. Yeah. He just got poisoned by some chorizo. Mm-hmm. He choked on it, actually. Oh, dang. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but, but to be fair, if I was going to go out, uh, I, I would like to go out by eating some chorizo. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, 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 Teresa's good. What do we like about this movie? Start us off. Absolutely gorgeous. It is. Visually stunning to the max. Yeah. When I imagined Day of the Dead, this is what I imagined. This is what I expected from the Book of Life that we didn't get. It's, yeah, visually stunning, bright colors everywhere. Felt like a light was done really well in the movie, just like things glowing and yeah. everywhere book of life is definitely a lot more exaggerated and leans more into the cartoony aspect of mm-hmm. it and that's like just Gutierrez art style mm-hmm. while coco decides to like ground it more and i think that fits the story better yeah i agree like its world definitely feels lived in mm-hmm. yeah and you can like see that like through everything in it the day of the dead in this movie is like based off like a real mexican city yeah 
It's cool. I have to admit, one of the most visually stunning parts is the uh, Marigold Bridge that they cross over to get into the land, to get between the lands of living and dead. And I like when Hector, which we meet kind of early on in the movie, he's Miguel's sidekick helping him get through the land of the living or dead. I'm confused at this point. But when he's trying to like run up the bridge, but he like sinks in the marigolds, I like that visual aspect of like, they flutter really well. I have to give an animation team props for that. Yeah. How this movie uses colors is like great. Mm -hmm. Like in the Day of the Dead, there's a lot of like blacks, purples, and like grays Mm -hmm. that like get heavily contrasted with like all the bright neon and saturated colors. Yeah. Which really like feels like this place that would usually be dead is like really brought to life. Yeah. It feels lively. Like it like it should be. Yeah. It's very good. The characters in this movie, their personalities are all so distinct and I like that a lot, especially with Mama Imelda. Mama Imelda, I think is her name. She's the great great grandmother whose husband left her to be a musician. Yeah. I like her stern personality a lot and Especially the rest of the family members that are kind of scared of her to an extent because she's like just such a powerful figure in the family. Like, like, like she literally started the, the family business. She did. She's an independent woman now. Yeah, and, and she isn't the annoying type like Maria is. Yeah, she's just, she's girl boss, period. Yeah, yeah she's a real girl boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like that a lot. And I like Hector, of course. But we later, spoiler alert, we later find out that he's Miguel's great-great-grandfather and not Ernesto de la Cruz, which we'll talk about him later. But I like his personality a lot. He's, like, very... I like his character design of, like, very raggedy. Even though he's a skeleton, I feel like we still... And he's, like, skeletons are quote-unquote raggedy already. But he just gives that extra, like, rugged feel, I guess, of trying not to be like he's really trying not to be forgotten in the movie which i like especially when we go to that sort of like village with all the other people who are close to being forgotten i think oh yeah this this movie has like exceptional world building Mm -hmm. like how like the slums are like built on like old temples Mm -hmm. or like how everything in the place is like made of like older technology mm-hmm. that's also meant to represent how it's a land of the dead yeah but it's very cool i like bright colors all the people the music in this movie is amazing it has an original soundtrack which shines so much yes this is like probably one of my favorite soundtracks ever in an animated mm-hmm. movie what's your favorite song from coco proud Corazona. how does that one go uh it, it's the one they sing at the end Ah, yes, I remember. My favorite, this is going to be a basic one, but you make me un poco loco. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that one's great. That one's a fun one. I dig it. But, yeah, the music shines in this movie, which it should because it's about music yes. to some part. Yeah, and it's great. I also liked um, Free Carlo in this movie. Her presence, she was everywhere, kind of. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting that, but she kind of is, like, this important figure in... Hispanic culture, especially with like her art and just how she lived her life. But everybody's always just dressing up like Frida Carlo, I feel like. <laughs> especially, I like the part where um, Miguel meets her when he's expecting to find um, De La Cruz 
And she's like, okay, so we got, I think it's a guave, maybe, like a guave fruit. It's some type of Hispanic fruit that's found in like Hispanic countries, typically. It was a papaya, not a guave. And then like all these dancers crawl out of the pit of it. But she's like, and they're all me. And they all drink from this cactus, which is also me. (laughs) Then she's. And they drink my tears. And they but it's not milk, it's my tears. And then she's like, is the is it too obvious? Like, is the metaphor too obvious? And Miguel's like, uh <laughs> which, yeah. I don't know I don't know what Frida Carlo is like, but maybe like comparing that to like modern art, I guess, I could see it. <laughs> I had a photography class in uh high school and we had like a brief section about Frida. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that section is kinda accurate. Yeah. She's just an icon, what can we say? Yeah. But yeah, lots of Frida Carlo. Wasn't really expecting that on my first watch. But like I said, I haven't seen this movie in probably two years. Another one I watched in Spanish class in high school. But it's great. Um, I forgot what the name of the spirit animals were. I think they were called alabrijes. I may be pronouncing that wrong. They, I love the spirit animals. They were very colorful and exactly what i would expect when i think of a spirit animal like the um riveras their spirit animal was like this big cat with wings and like ram's horns and it was dope and then um dante the street dog becomes a spirit animal which as he should be i love dante in this movie i like short-haired dogs like that they're just funny (laughs) Dante's also just a cool name it makes me think of uh, Dante's Inferno or the uh, Divine Comedy. You know that I I never really thought about that. Who would have thought someone would name a character after uh, another character who goes into uh, an afterlife? Who would have known? <laughs> Do you have any complaints about Coco? Because I didn't. I don't really have any complaints. I don't think. Well, there's a video I watched recently, but uh, I'm just going to continue talking about positives. Mm-hmm. That to counterbalance my negativity on the book of life yeah i think what a movie what this movie does well is how it like sort of subverts subverts some tropes mm-hmm. like you know how the entire story revolves around miguel trying to meet ernesto yeah because he hates his family's tradition mm-hmm. and now he like slowly like shuns everyone away because of that mm-hmm. and that comes back to bite him yeah I really liked how it sort of, like, subverted that, like, very common trope. Yeah. And that trope was also in Book of Life, but they didn't really do anything unique with it except towards the end where, it's like, Manolo fights, like, the big bull. Yeah, we forgot to mention that Manolo is a bullfighter in the Book of Life. But he refuses to kill the bull because he says it's wrong and his family, like, shuns him for it. Yeah. Okay, anyways, back to Book of Life and the subverting of this character trope. Yeah, because in Book of Life, it's a lot more nuanced in mm-hmm. the take yeah. because both sides of it are wrong. Mm-hmm. Because Miguel's family is doing it out of, like, trauma and not, like, wanting to understand why people would want to do it. Yeah. Well, Miguel's doing it out of, like... It's almost kind of, like, selfish selfish ambition to an extent, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And, like you said, it comes to bite him in the butt. I think we should just get straight to the twist in this movie. Ernesto de la Cruz is a murderer yeah dude the first time i watched that i was like no freaking way (laughs) like culture shock i would i did not see it coming it's so great so basically i almost called him coco miguel finds ernesto and they like talk they have a fun little time but eventually um they figure hector like reconnects with ernesto 
and we learned that when they were both alive, they used to play music together. Turns out Hector wrote all of Ernesto de la Cruz's songs, and Hector didn't want to be in the music business anymore. He wanted to go back to his family. So de la Cruz poisons him and takes all Hector's songs, and that's how he became famous. Yeah. Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah, like the most famous song in the movie, Remember Me, uh, is like a song like... He wrote for Coco. Hector wrote for Coco. Yeah. Who's his daughter, who's still alive and is the only one that remembers him because Hector is about to be forgotten. So much happens in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. And like compared to like The Book of Life, which despite it being shorter, felt like it had like worse pacing yeah this this one despite being like longer like it, its pacing was like really tight it was it was good yeah and it, i think with that many like plots going on it needs to be tight which they did well yeah it like goes down to like stuff like the dialogue which i found like was mm-hmm. really like efficient like rhythmic really snappy yeah like it didn't like it felt like there wasn't like barely any dead air in it yeah i liked it the whole De La Cruz thing blew my mind. I was like, no way, he's a murderer. And everybody, by the end of it, everybody figures out he's a murderer. So there's justice. But the ending scene where Miguel is talking to Mama Coco because Hector... So in this mo- earlier in the movie when they were in the slums, Hector had this friend. I don't remember his name, but he was being forgotten. And eventually he just faded away. Whenever somebody's about to be forgotten, they kind of like, like they jolt kind of, like their bones jolt. And it's very evident that they're about to be forgotten. And Hector's about to be forgotten because Mama Coco is getting older and she can't remember her father very well. And it's super freaking sad. (laughs) And then Miguel, when he finally goes back to the living world, he like sings, he's trying to get Mama Coco to remember her dad. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so sad. And they sing the Remember Me song together. And I was like bawling my eyes out. Apparently music is actually like used for like helping people with memory loss. Mm-hmm. So so I thought that was like a neat touch to it. It is. And it makes, and you know, with a movie that's hinged so much on music and the family that's so against music, having music be the thing that re like reunites them almost again like clutch yeah so clutch and then the there's the after sequence where it's the next year it's the next day of the dead festival they're putting up the ofrenda hector's pictures up there now and then they reveal that mama coco passed away and i think that made me cry even harder because i was like no way but i'm this is gonna don't take this the wrong way, but I'm glad she passed away because if she was there another year, we wouldn't get like such a happy ending. I don't think because she's reunited with her parents again, and I was like, that is so sweet. Yes, and that scene where uh, Hector hugs her is is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I will. I guess this is my only complaint. I wish somehow I wish they put up like a younger picture of Mama Coco or like made her younger in the afterlife because like her parents are younger. But, like, she still looks older. Well, I think that might have... I think you can just explain that because they just happen to die at younger ages. Maybe, I guess. But I don't know. But nobody else in the afterlife looks that much older, I guess. I mean, there's kids and stuff. I understand that. But I guess that's my only little nitpick. Even though it's, like, it's not a big deal. But that was my 
little comment for that is just I wish they made Mama Coco younger in the afterlife. Uh, but it also could be the case it's uh, that skeletons don't have wrinkles. So fair enough, I guess. So for all we know, uh, uh, Milda could have like could have looked like a raisin by the time she died. True. Yeah, I don't know. That's my little nitpick about it. But yeah, super sweet. I think I cried harder when Mama Coco passed away than when she remembered her dad. It was great. Great ending conclusion. Good time. Lesson learned. 10 out of 10. Yep. Ne- <laughs> never meet your heroes. Never meet your heroes because they might be a murderer. Yeah. Who, who killed your great-great-grandfather. Yeah. I also like how in the living world they realized that De La Cruz was a fraud too and they like shut all that down too. It's like, yeah. And, and and they like set up like a mural mural of like all of Hector's letters to Coco. Yeah, it's dope. And then music is reunited into reinstated into their family. And it's like, yes. Yes. No more shoes. <laughs> yes. No more shoes. And, and can we talk about how much of a prodigy Miguel is? Yeah. He's good, honestly. <laughs> like like that that kid was able to like was able to win a talent show, like, all by himself, essentially, with, like, no experience, like, playing in front of a crowd. <laughs> yeah, he's a great prodigy. When you love music, you can do anything, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. dope. Yeah, yeah, I- I'm a- imagining Miguel, when he grows up, he's gonna, like, become, like, some, like, progressive rock dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we get a Coco sequel where Miguel is a rock star instead of, like traditional hispanic artist i guess yeah yeah and he's playing like these like 20 minute songs with like constantly changing time signatures and like synths he likes prog rock now guys uh (laughs) heavy metal he listens to metallica (laughs) i listen to prog rock and when you said metallica i just i just i know metallica is not prog rock but he listens to rush rush is prog rock yes there you go I have heard that there are some inaccuracies with how it depicts Day of the Dead. Okay, what like what inaccuracies? Well, the major one is that you don't necessarily need Ofrendas. Okay. Uh, pictures on the Ofrendas, so that's also a thing. But I found that like the image stuff was just meant to be like a metaphor of the person being in your mind at the time. Hmm. So I don't necessarily think it was that big of a negative. But I can kind of see why some people would be a little more ifed with it. Because this is a tradition in a country that doesn't have as much reach as, like, something like the United States. Yeah. So, like, traditions being misrepresented could, like, more affect, like, Mm -hmm. people's view on it. Yeah. Than, like, people, like, not, like, putting a star on top of a Christmas tree. For the ofrendas, do they just need to have an ofrenda and they don't necessarily need a picture? I, I think so. So, like... Hypothetically, in order for somebody to cross from the land of the dead to the land, to the living world, somebody just needs to put up an ofrenda and they could cross over, or can they just cross over no matter what? And like, uh, I, I think they maybe do need a frienda, mm-hmm. but I, th- I've heard there's like a friendas, like for people who specifically don't have like living family members or mm-hmm. are remembered. So I think like the final death thing was like just unique to this movie to like set more stakes. Fair enough. Because if there was, like, no stakes of, like, not getting, like, Hector's picture, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's the major plot device, so... But I understand why people would be a little upset about that, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've also kind of seen people a little ifed with how it kind of uses Border Patrol imagery in this movie. Okay. Like, how so? 
basically how this story works is basically the dead have to get over because of essentially IDs mm -hmm. of their pictures on a friendas. Mm -hmm. And like the central character basically was trying to like jump the border to get over something. Yeah, I can understand that. So I can kind of see why some people would be a little also ifed on that. Because mm -hmm. having your movie about Mexicans be a have a major point at it being a character trying to jump a border could, I understand could that. be a little iffy but i think that was just like them trying to like tie this story back to what could be like real life mm -hmm. experiences of some people and not trying to like be racist or anything yeah and i feel like the rest of the movie does a pretty decent job yeah at presenting the culture like respectively mm -hmm. and this is coming from someone who who hasn't experienced this culture so take everything i say with a grain of salt again yeah for sure I think this movie did a good job representing, like, even though there are some inaccuracies, and I understand why people can get upset about some aspects of the movie, I think overall, like you said, it does a great job representing Mex uh, Hispanic Mexican culture. And, yeah, I think it did it better, a little bit better than The Book of Life, for sure. And, yeah, it was a good time overall. I yeah. think it was great. Yeah, yeah, Coco feels like a movie that had to be take play. That had to take place on the Day of the Dead, mm -hmm. while the Book of Life probably didn't need to be about the Day of the Dead, just, yeah. just about the uh, Hispanic afterlife. Yeah, I agree with that. So both Book of Life and Coco use their uh, use the fact most of the characters are skeletons to like for visual gags, mm -hmm. but I felt like Coco like did a bit more creatively. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like it's stuff because I think. Because then there's only, like, one character in, like, the Book of Life that really uses the fact that they're skeletons. Yeah. And that was, like... That was um, Manolo's grandfather, I think. The yeah. one that, like... The one that has a giant mustache. Yeah. And he, like, his bones all, like, dis he gets dismembered and he's like, my arthritis is gone. That was kind of funny, I will admit. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I do think um coco does a little bit more with the skeleton humor did you okay the part where miguel's about to meet frida carlo and he passes like this cubicle where this guy is painting a nude skeleton did you catch that yes you can only get away with that in the disney movie by it being a skeleton yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah pretty cool well do we want to rate coco i think it's pretty self-explanatory but it's gonna be yeah this movie is 10 yeah it's a 10 out of 10 it's great yeah. i don't have any major complaints besides that one little nitpicky thing i had about mama coco but it's great i think there's a great lesson behind it top-notch soundtrack one of big one of disney pixar's best films to come out in a while one of the arguably one of the best films they've made animated films they've made ever and yeah it's pretty great and it does have mariachi covers of pop songs. Yeah. Huge plus. <laughs> well, that concludes this episode. What are we going to talk? What are we going to review next week, Ethan? So next week is going to be the next installment of the Dim the Lights holiday special saga. And it's going to be about Thanksgiving. Which is coming right up. And I, how do you feel about Thanksgiving? Uh, I, I like the food my mom makes. I I agree with that i like thanksgiving a lot any holiday that kind of involves like feasting 
I dig. So yeah. most holidays. Yeah, yeah. My my mom makes some killer mashed potatoes. Delish. We make. I don't know if you like stuffing, but we make stuffing at my house, but we call it dressing. And apparently, apparent, it's the same thing as stuffing, but there's some like minor difference to it. I don't know. It's a whole thing with my mom. But that's that's our thing is uh, stuffing, uh, dressing. Uh, do you guys have chicken breasts in them? Um, I don't know, actually. Well, well my mom adds like, adds like chicken to the stuffing. I don't... F- I don't know. In my, I think we had chicken broth to the stuffing, but well, I'm not okay, sure. Okay, okay. We might, we might just add chicken broth. I'm not sure. I'll yeah. ask my mom about it, and we'll come back to this discussion. <laughs> okay, but on the movies we're reviewing, uh, we're reviewing uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Which I'm excited. I've never seen it, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, and one of Tegan's favorite movies... Fantastic Mr. Fox. Heck yeah. Which is also weirdly kind of a Thanksgiving movie because they feast in it. But I think it ties well to the fall holiday of the fall aesthetic. One of my favorite Wes... It's my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Probably like one of my top four favorite movies that's on Letterboxd right now. Always liked it since it came out in 2009. Was my first Wes Anderson movie. So yeah. Excited to talk about both of them because I like John Candy too, but I've never seen planes, trains, and automobiles. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I I picked Fantastic Mr. Fox because I looked up Thanksgiving movies and it appeared on a list. I believe it. Yeah, it'll be a good time. So, well, thank you all for tuning into our Dia de los Muertos Day of the Dead episode. Um, please tune into our Thanksgiving episode next week. Tell us what you're thankful for. Um, please like, share, subscribe, tell us to your friends, follow us on Letterboxd. Ethan's, okay, Ethan has a different Letterboxd account now. It's called I'm Just Kind of Okay 2 with the numeral 2, not just I'm Just Kind of Okay anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's now I'm Just Kind of Okay 2, numeral 2, not T-W-O 2. And I'm still just plain old T and roll, so follow us on Letterboxd and tune into our next episode. Thank y'all so much for listening. Happy uh, very late Day of the Dead. Happy belated Day of the Dead, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Dim the Lights. And if you guys are interested in learning more about Dia de los Muertos, you can look up the website for the official holiday at dayofthedead.holiday. That is dayofthedead.holiday. No spaces, no caps, dayofthedead.holiday. And we'll put a link in the description too. Thank you guys so much for listening and please tune in next week. Bye.